The Section 809 panel delivered the last of three sets of recommended procurement reforms to Congress and the Defense Department earlier this year. Several of the proposals dealt with prices DOD pays and how it decides on pricing. Joining me to review the pricing provisions and their potential impacts, an 809 panel volunteer and former Defense Contract Auditing Agency Director Pat Fitzgerald, who is now Director of Government Contractor Advisory Services at Baker Tilly. Long list of titles, but Pat, it's good to have you on. Thank you, Tom. It's good to be on. So review for us what the principal pricing recommendations were for the from the 809 panel. Yeah, Tom. I mean, several of the uh, panel's 98 recommendations were, were aimed at assisting DOD uh, to leverage the marketplace um, and have the price be determined by market-based forces. Um, and it also had, uh, when that wasn't feasible and we had defense-unique uh, products and services. Um, the panel also made recommendations to try to to deal with those issues um, with respect, uh, like developing the professional practice guide to help auditors assess uh, forward pricing proposals more effectively and efficiently and trying to uh, increase the speed of the way they can get uh, products and services on contracts. You know, in some ways, it seems like there's almost two defense departments. There's the half that buys items that are really not commercially available, like tankers and weapon systems. But then there's a vast part of DOD that buys professional services, consulting, information technology. I guess most of these recommendations apply to that second part of DOD. Would that be a correct way to characterize it? Yeah, Tom. I, I think, you know, they're they're talking about, um, the, in the 809 panel, we talk about red, readily available products and services which have sort of a transparent market um, basis for their price and also readily available with some customization, which, uh, again, you can int- introduce some competition there and, and have the market forces actually t- determine what those prices are. Uh, the, the harder problem is the defense unique uh, ones where uh, there there isn't that uh, competition and then the auditors and the DOD has to get involved uh, to try to determine the cost basis to to uh, figure out what a fair and reasonable price would be. And that's where this professional practice guide that we worked on to help the auditors assess those financial uh, pricing proposals uh, recommendations fall in. And if there's a recommendation to use those market forces and get that kind of data, the implication is they don't all, always do it. In your experience now consulting with government and also in your experience of actually auditing thousands of contracts over a great many years, what's your sense of the degree to which market forces come into play in DOD pricing? Well, I, I think um, what what the panel would like to do is to encourage, um, you know, by redefining the commercial buying terms – um, to try to open that aperture up so that more can fit into that. Because the real issue is sort of how do you determine um, market prices uh, if you don't have adequate competition? That that becomes really the, the tough issue to deal with. And then uh, many um, uh, contracting officers default uh, to, to doing the cost basis, you know, rather than trying to figure out whether there is market research that would assist them in, diver- in determining a market-based price. Um, but when, they, when you do have to go to the cost uh, basis, that's when um, we were making recommendations even to help that process, to, to, to increase the, um, you know, the procurement acquisition lead time and, and increase the speed there. And this uh, professional practice guide that that is in the final report 
um, I believe, will will help and assist in that way um, materially. Does it define what elements can go into cost? Because it could be materials. It could also be the overhead of the company. It could also be their profit margin could be figured into the cost, depending on who decides how to figure that. So I imagine there have to be standards of what are legitimate cost elements so that you can have comparability from vendor to vendor. You're exactly right, Tom. And, and what this talks about is, is helping the auditors figure out when they're looking at these proposals and looking at these cost elements, you know, what is, is material, what's really important, what's significant, where is the risk? Um, and, and this guide talks about those concepts and how to apply those concepts uh, to evaluate the proposals um, and so to be able to move them through um, in a quick manner so that we can get the con- uh, the the, um, the uh, work on contracts so that we can get you know the, the services and supplies to the warfighter um, I'd, I'd like to like to you know we we talked about how to do that in the first report uh, we we made a recommendation to establish a professional practice guide and in um, the third report we actually did that we established a group um, with the AICPA, uh, GAO, DCAA, DCMA, and industry representatives to put that um, professional practice guide together to help uh, the folks on the front line be able to evaluate those proposals and be able to move them through the process quicker. We're speaking with Pat Fitzgerald. He's Director of Government Contractor Advisory Services Group at Baker Tilly and former Defense Contract Audit Agency Director. And this is kind of timely right now because just the other day, the Defense Department came out with a memorandum aimed at one company that manufactures spare parts through many subsidiaries that the inspector general said was gouging the government, you know, thousand percent margins. And so the memo went to contracting officers to say, hey, you got to get some cost and pricing data before you do business with this particular company. The question, I guess, is how do you drive that down through the person on the front line, which is ultimately the contracting officer? I, I think by, um, you know, our, our strategy, Tom, was to to develop this um, professional practice guide with those stakeholders there. So DCMA, the ACO community, was involved in this guide, putting it together and, and, and you know, had input into that. And we, we not only sort of defined uh, what what materiality is and, and how to do a risk assessment and how to assess a, a business system, but also how to apply it. And, and my experience as the former director was that was sort of a missing thing. It was conceptual, but but how do you do it in practical terms and how do you apply it in a day-to-day situation um, with relation to contract auditing? So the attempt of the guide is to get it down to uh, you know a practical way that can improve your way you do your job tomorrow, and it's not um, you know kind of theory. It's really how do you what what do you look at? How do you look at it? How do you assess the risk, and how do you determine what's important and what's not? And what about market research? Does that come into this area of determining price suitability or price correctness, I guess, or price that ought to be paid? They have different words for it. Yeah, right. Market research is is supposed to be, you know, the preferred process to go through first and try to be able to – government, can you figure that price out by doing the market research? Can you you assess what's being sold out there, how it's being sold, and and get to the price that way to avoid – having to necessarily go in and try to determine what the costs are and then determine the price there. So it is a, it is so supposed to be done first 
Um, and um, sometimes, um, you know, you read in, in many reports that that wasn't done. It was uh, a, a, a way that they went right to cost before doing the market research that the FAR um, requires. And I was always wondering if when you are buying, say, spare parts, which is a big bugaboo over the years for DOD, there is the standard type of part that might go into a commercial installation, and maybe there's the mil-spec part that might go into the military system. And, you know, everything from steam traps or seat belts or pumps or whatever the case might be, is there like a standard differential that should be expected between the mil-spec and the commercial spec for a given item? almost like some sort of a universal constant they could apply? You know, I, I mean, I think there are, I don't know if there's a universal uh, one that they could apply, Tom, but, you know, mo- a lot of what I saw over my years was, you know, many, many products had to be ruggedized, right? It had to be, you know, the product itself, in essence, was the commercial product, but had to be able to be used in, in some very rough and austere environments, um, and so that ruggedization um, was sort of the difference between what the what the military needed and, and what was available in the commercial market. All right. So you are going around the country at conferences and so forth talking about the 809 pricing recommendations. What's the main message you want people to get? I think that there's some, you know, there's a lot of recommendations and, 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 and that's, and, and the reports are, are lengthy, but there's some real, I, I believe some really important info, uh, work that has been done by that uh, 809 panel. And, um, you know, we've, we've, the, the DOD has responded with their support uh, to most of the recommendations um, subject to some additional research. Congress has had some positive interest in those recommendations. Um, I guess my, my point with the uh, the professional practice guide, Tom, is that that guide, you know, was built with the right stakeholders involved. Uh, it was a consensus document. Um, it doesn't need congressional legislative action uh, and can be implemented uh, tomorrow by the department. And I guess what I'm trying to talk to is the merits of that and for us to get on with implementing it and using it and helping us um, speed up the acquisition process. So download it, read it, and then do it. Exactly. Pat Fitzgerald is Director of Government Contractor Advisory Services Group at Baker Tilly. Hey, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for the opportunity. Appreciate it. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffles Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.